Hey gang, welcome back to the Backdoor Cover Network. I'm Phil, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Vinny Bag of Donuts. Vinny, what's happening? Phil, it's great to be here. I'm ex- so excited for today's show. Uh, this is uh, the first time uh, that we're going to have Steve Fezzik here with us today. Steve, what's, what's going on out there in Vegas? It's great to be here. I, I got to say, I heard Vinny was going to be on. And so I thought it, I would get like a mafiosa, you know, wise guy looking guy. And I, I and here Vince is like, you know, fresh face, looks like he's an accountant. I'm a little disappointed. I'm at work today, Steve. So unfortunately, you get the, the, the formal version of, of, of the bag of donuts today. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Vince. We normally record the show. Uh, Vince is in like a cigar lounge, deep in a an Italian bakery or something. I mean, it's, it's right. there. We go. Really, really, really shady. But Steve, man, we are absolutely pumped to have you on the show today. Uh, we have a plethora of things we want to pick your brain about. Next year, Vince and I are going to be submitting a entry into the Circus Survivor uh, contest, and we know that you took down the bag this year. Um, tell us about your experience winning contests you're like the best contest player in the world yeah so i've, I've run good in contests um actually it, it's interesting i'm not sure if i'm like ecstatic happy unhappy about the way contests went this year so long story short going back like my, my history people that don't know me back in i i was a clv a closing line value when people didn't really know about closing line value jack moore wrote a book about sports betting and he talked about the blindfold method which basically said hey if a line seven and you can lay six or take plus eight in the nfl you should just bet it it's good but people largely ignore that and they bet who what sides they like so in sports betting contests obviously they pre-print the spreads wednesday thursday morning that's the spread everyone plays against and i was very vocal about this is crazy no everyone just takes the teams that they like they don't look at the value versus the spread if you just take the best of it in terms of the numbers, submit your plays as late as possible. You have an ROI versus the field of over 100%. And universally, I was laughed at. I was like on the blackjack forums, like, ah, you're massively overestimating your edge. This is ridiculous. And then a few years later, uh, this is 2008, 2009, I won five contests in two years. So I won the Westgate twice. I won the South Point twice. I won the, 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 the Leroy's College Football. I tied for first. Um, and, and I won the money talks, which was a dynamic contest. So all of a sudden, obviously, CLV closing line value, the word got out that, hey, that, you know what, you're going to do quite well when you're taking plus three and a half and the lines two and a half. And so it became more and more difficult. And I frankly had a period of time where I wasn't doing as well in contests. And then fortunately, um, this year had a home run year in that I cashed a, you know, almost made top 20 millions. I was like a top five with a month ago. So that was disappointing but still 21st out of 5,300, 25 games above 500. But Circus Survivor was the real boom because I found someone who wanted to sell part of their share. So I, I entered, I was out by October 1st and I was like, okay, wait till next year. And then what's this? I get to re-enter. I could go ahead and buy ownership in someone. So um, LA Jones uh, was still alive on Thanksgiving. And so I started buying survivorship percentages of them. 4%, no, 3%, 5%. Ultimately, it maxed out at 16%. And then I acted as a consultant for him um, to the finish line. And he was one of the four survivors. So they chopped up 9 million. And so I had one fourth of 9 million times 16%. So it was very lucrative. Yeah, that's a that's a nice, nice haul. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. So is there like a, 
like a, a a backdoor page or something where where guys can sell their shares or did he reach out to you did you reach out to him how did you like link up yeah it's this fantastic invention it's called the internet I, I was like totally unaware of it and then the part of it it's called Twitter slash mm. X where you can interact with people and so the problem of course is that I didn't want to go through all the hop through the hoops and sign legal contracts and pay lawyer fees and all this. But Greg had actually gone on VEASAN, the Vegas Sports and Information Network. He had appeared. He was you know, with Derek Stevens, a great guy, owner of Circa downtown Las Vegas and the D and the Golden Gate. And so I had a high level of comfort and I started DMing him back and forth on Twitter. And so it, it just grew from there. Yes. Understood. And I'm sure L.A. Jones was was happy to have you on board. You know, if, if Steve Fezzik shows up in my inbox, I'm listening. You know, and, and what and what the hard part, though, and, and you bring up a good point. Most people would disagree with you. All right. And let me make my case. So poker players, they recognize that if they make the when they used to do the November nine and the main event, they would like immediately go out and hire Johnny Chan or hire, you know, um, Phil Hellmuth or someone to help them with their game, desperately try to get them up to speed for that November nine. Sports betters don't think that way. If Vince is 24 games above 500 and Fezzik is sucking at eight games above 500, he's not going to ask me who I like. He doesn't care because he's be he's better than me this year and he's running good and he's not going to change anything he's done to alter his path towards the championship. So I can tell you, I can count on two fingers the number of times people have contacted me late in contests for help to go ahead and maximize their entries. And it really... People just want to people. It's like white men can't jump. People would rather <laughs> go out there and lose than to like, you know, look bad maybe and consult with other people and win. Well, not, not the case here. If we, uh, if we get on a run, we will certainly let you buy into our entry if, uh, if needed. Well, I'm, I'm boring though. And, and I'm expensive in that. Like, I'm not going to buy your entry at a hundred cents on the dollar. So by example, um, and this is the best way to hedge. So like there's 30 people left. It's $9 million. Your entry's worth 300,000. Well, you can like somehow take a third, a second and third mortgage and all your houses hit your, you know, your rich grandparents up for loans and start hedging, you know, 50,000 here, 20,000 there on your survivor pick. I mean, and that gets expensive or just sell 10% of your, of, of your ownership. That makes sense. It's like, okay, my entry's worth 300,000. For a mere 23,000, you can have 10% of it. You know, it makes sense. It's a good investment for me because it's worth 30,000. And now you're guaranteed 23,000. You can set it, forget it. You're like, okay, I am going to make money in this contest. Now it's going to win. For sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm, go ahead, Vince. No, I said, yeah, I love it. Correct. Yeah. So uh, did you become like, did LA Jones let you buy in? for your know-how or was he just looking to monetize his entry do you think he was just initially looking to monetize his entry but it was the perfect storm because okay so i so i buy a percentage of him and i'm like okay should we meet up in vegas and i'll hand it to you he's like um the cash he's like oh you know good because i'm gonna hedge some my position i'm like well i can help you hedge i know people i've got exchanges i've like when you think about an ex a betting exchange is so huge when you're hedging favorites like on your, for your opponent's teams, for instance. So by example, it wouldn't be unusual seven point favorite. If you're just, you know, the retail price, you know, you go into a sports book, you're going to lay minus 325. 
But on an exchange, it's not unusual. It'll be like minus 298, take back plus 296. I was able to get them so, so much better prices that I said, look, instead of handing you this 15,000, why don't I just put your hedge down for you and I can and I can get you down at much more attractive prices. Yeah, and uh, we're we're seeing. I'm I'm in New Jersey, so we have uh, profit exchange, and you know that's starting to to grow here. And I'm, it's just it's crazy to me why more people don't use it. it. It's such a great tool. I guess liquidity was a problem in the early stages, but but now it seems like well, you know all the standalone games, these football games, plenty plenty to go around. If there's one if there's one take I would give to everybody in New Jersey with profit the way it is. And I don't know, I've, I'm familiar with the other exchanges. I obviously don't reside in New Jersey, so it's not legal for me to bet there. Although I do have some friends. If you have um, a proxy, you know, say Speedway I, Steve. I mean, but the point is, is like, you look at KC Baltimore and it's painted. I, I would say right now the line is 3.95. All right. So it's basically painted for, and, but you probably, if you have shop long and wide, you probably can find a four and a half in a square ball book. Um, but my point is why the sports book shouldn't write one cent of action at four, not one cent, because I'm sure on profit right now, you can take plus four, like minus one Oh one, probably with the 1% commission. So it's probably minus one Oh three. Maybe you can pull up the profit odds. If you it's got it's minus one Oh one, one Oh one. Okay. So, so, so now when, and it's a 1% commission, correct? On profit, mm-hmm. I'm profit. I'm assuming. So now you have to pay that commission, whether you win or lose. So it's counterintuitive. So you're not laying one Oh two, you're really laying one Oh three. But that's when you go ahead and accept an offer. I imagine if you put up an offer, it's probably free if someone um, you know, accepts it. So one of the tricks that I like to do is if I, if I like it, I like an exchange. If it's minus 101 in each direction, plus four, minus four, I'll go ahead and put up, you know, uh, and I don't know if profit lets you do this, where you can just offer, th- um, you can actually do a decimal and say, I'll go ahead and take it, you know, at um, if, if I like Kansas City, I'll take plus four, minus 100.5. You know, and just price is right action. <laughs> and, and someone is going to accept that because even if mm-hmm. um, even if there is not that many customers, all it takes is one guy to like Baltimore, and he's like, "Well, that's the best number in the world." Of course, I'm going to play that against the person you know that offered it. Um, do be a little careful with the exchanges. You don't want to put up big offers because if all of a sudden Lamar Jackson falls through a bathroom window and he can't play, oh, your offer has been fully taken. So, you know, I, I would I would caution everyone about putting big offers, but, you know, to just modest offers and nibble it up and, and gobble it up absolutely is the way to go. But the problem is that youth wants to play same game parlays. They want to play player props. They want to play college basketball first halves. And none of that will the betting exchanges ever be any good for because there's no, like you said, there's no liquidity until maybe the NCAA tournament. Maybe that'll change. That's a that's a great transition to what I wanted to ask you. What's your favorite sport to bet? And do you prefer straight bets or props within it? What's been most successful for you? It's complicated. Um, my favorite sport. I was sport, hoping college, you say that. <laughs> college basketball, if they deal live down to the final two minutes of the game. So it's mm-hmm. similar to playing single deck blackjack. My friends are going to get mad. I'm giving away the story here. Um, if you can play single deck blackjack and they deal down to the final card, it's like, and they used to play this game, what's called Perfecto at the Stratosphere. And I have a story about Perfecto. So, so I have a, a buddy who's great, he's card counter, and they did burn one card and they dealt down to the bottom card and he's caught the burn card. So he's going through, he's going through, he's going through. And he gets down to the, to the very end. He has a 20, all right? And the dealer has like an eight up, okay? 
and he puts out more money and they're out of cards. Okay. And it turns out there's two cards left and they were both aces. They had oh. the dealer had to have an ace and, and the last card had to be ace. And he puts up his mind and the dealer's like, split? It's like double down. And they're like, sir, you have 20. <laughs> I want to double down. And she's staring at me and he's like, you don't want to double down. He's like, I want to double down. And finally just screams, just give me the effing ace. You know? <laughs> so where we're going with 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 this is that if they dealt down the final three cards in single deck. You know, everyone would just shred the casino. You'd have such a huge edge. And now they might deal you like, even with five people, they might deal you one extra round, two rounds to five people and shuffle. But here, so it, it, live wagering college basketball, they deal down the final two minutes. It's as good as good can be, uh, but it's rare, you know. And so obviously, if they deal down to four minutes, that's a really good game. If they stop dealing any lines at six minutes, not nearly as good. What do you uh, what do you look for? What, just momentum, or what, what? Do you look at regression, like on on a hot shooting team, or what? What do you mistakes. what do you go after? Pure mistakes. Um, I'll use a, one of the things that rare, rarely fails is a big favorite that's down double digits, ten to fourteen points. They don't give up. All right. So if Gonzaga trails St. Mary's at home by twelve, for instance, with two and a half minutes to play, the overs. Like, or three and a half or four and a half minutes would be a slam dunk. Turn that around. If Gonzaga was up by 14, well, then it's very difficult because who knew? I mean, the uh, San, I said St. Mary's, I, I meant San, um, um, San Francisco. So San Francisco might say, all right, it wasn't our day and just not foul. And you might get six points in the final two minutes. Um, but you can see if you flip it around the other way, even though it's like the same difference in scores, it could have a radically different, different um, end game result. If you've got a um, a team that still feels they have a legitimate chance, possibly to win, by putting slapping a full court press on the team, fouling to the bitter end. Awesome. Yeah. No. That's 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 good advice. That's good advice. Um, we also wanted to ask you, you know, to to any new gambler, what would you say is like the the most important thing you could do? Would it be like shopping around? I mean, I know I know that's very important, but what would the the, the first piece of advice you could you could give someone be? Get really, really good at one thing. So a poker player, don't like play Omaha and then and, and no limit and then limit and screw around with all these different games. Get really, now you, it's a good idea to probably get good at everything, but find one game that you're really, really good at and just focus on that. So I'll, I'll use an example. There's a game that everyone feels is unbeatable. It's called Blast Poker. And it has a tremendous amount of luck and it's very beatable. And I'm not going to tell why it's beatable. All right. But Fair. everyone else says, oh, it's a complete sucker game. It's all completely random. And it's like, uh, you know, I, the, 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 but I, I understand blast poker better than almost anyone. So, so I love playing blast poker. Um, but like even props, like have like a little bit of an obscure prop baseball runs, hits, errors. Just focus on runs, hits, errors. Nothing else. Just that's all you're going to bet is runs, hits, errors. You're going to become the world's greatest runs, hits, errors prop. Uh, better now. Some baseball players are betting like the Nerfy and the Yerfy, yes or no, run first inning. The That's problem with that is it's rarely mispriced by a great deal, but it still can you know certainly can be profitable. Um, so I would say you know longest field goal type of props, like really focusing you know on selected teams, and I think you're absolutely going to pick up on things. That it's like you know the Bills, for instance. Oh, you know their tight end; they're absolutely going to them. Um, their uh, Shazir is like their number four wide receiver, but now he's like their number one wide receiver because 
Um, you know, Diggs is, isn't a hundred percent. He's not number one, obviously, but um, you know, and, and Gabe Davis is injured. So just being, having an expertise on a few select teams. And I, frankly, a lot of the professional sports players look down on the fantasy football geeks that like, Oh, they enter for $40 and they know five times more than I know. If I knew what they knew, I could make so much money. And yet they just want all bragging rights. I want to win my, I want to win my league. So I can tell Larry, I got my, I can hoist the trophy and like, but if you've got that information and you know, overvalued and undervalued players, my goodness, just go ahead and bet them. Although it got a lot more difficult this year. And what happened with the dynamics is that there's, established groups like establish the run and it's more important to them that they can show a really gaudy win-loss record than to actually make money betting so what happens is like DraftKings or FanDuel is first to market they put up a prop and it's mispriced and so what happened oh here comes establish the run you know like with their ten thousand, you know um, clients saying oh let's go ahead and play Lamar Jackson over for rush yards and it just kills the market because no one else even has the prop up yet um, I'm frustrated. Vegas, we are dinos. We are dinosaurs. It's a lot of our books don't even put up player props compared to the East Coast. So it almost became hmm. the East Coast became the sports betting capital of America in terms of the offerings versus Vegas. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I go out to Vegas every year, you know, during the summer. And, you know, I tell the guys I've never felt more limited than when I'm in Las Vegas. It, it's crazy. It, it just New Jersey has so much more to offer. It's It's insane. But now the difference is, is that New Jersey has a, a mar- their market or their, um, their plan to profitability is basically to let the squares bet whatever they can. That's, I, I, I went ahead and put down, if they, if they let you bet big, they think you're a sucker. So you see it like on, on, on the internet, and that's a line from The Sting in, in the 1973 movie where a guy was lamenting he lost in a poker room and Robert Redford, you know, Paul Newman tells him, ha, you think they let you play in this game if they thought you were any good? You know, <laughs> right. um, you see people on the internet all the time, like post, like, oh, I bet $20,000 on the Loyola Chicago total. And they may as well just post, oh, I'm a terrible gambler and they let me bet whatever I want. Because I assure you, if, if, you, were, if you were a pro and you're on the East Coast and you're betting at these places, you know, it's going to come back and say, you know, you have a $48 limit or some, I mean, people don't, can't believe how low the limits can be. And, and unfortunately that's happening in Vegas also where these hall of fame bookmakers talk this big game, but anyone with a brain, like literally they're getting limited to a hundred or $250 on, on wagers on things. It's very difficult to lose great sums of money as a sharp better because you just can't, you can't even bet large sums of money. Yeah. And we just want to take this portion of the program to shout out bet 365. They let me get down $3 on racing props. So thank you, uh, bet 365. Uh, Vince, did you have some questions for Steve? You know, I have one burning question for me. Like, how did you get started, Steve? How did you get started in everything? This is a logical progression. So I am a math geek. I am a former engineer that became an actuary. So what is an actuary? He's the dude that prices your insurance rates, tells you how long you're going to live if you eat red meat versus not eating red meat, and basically calculates all the odds and it's all probabilistic. So you can see I'm a forecaster. I'm basically making predictions into the future about people and about companies so why not do it on sporting events it was a logical transition and so what happened i and i i loved vegas the first time i went there i was going to northwestern i remember when i was 21 i went out to vegas once and it was so eye-opening and i was playing blackjack you know and reading like the books about you know card counting and stuff and then i moved to la and so it was a natural progression 
and then realized that Vegas knew nothing. You always hear, oh, Vegas knows everything. Vegas knows nothing compared to the best <laughs> sports bettors in the world. And like Billy Walters is an example of that. But I started betting more and more. And so I hit a point by the mid 1990s. I was like, wow, I'm making a lot more per hour during the fall betting <laughs> right. sports that I'm betting in my my day job as an executive. And so finally, uh, 2001, I made the full time move to Las Vegas. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's let's go ahead and transition into the the games this weekend. There's there's two pretty big ones that we should probably talk about. Steve, um, the first one is the Chiefs. They are plus four, like we like we mentioned, heading to Baltimore. The total is 44 and a half. Uh, the Chiefs are plus 165 on the money line. Baltimore, you can lay minus 195. I know you had went on decent earlier this week and, and gave out your thoughts. What what uh what can you give our listeners? Yeah, so I like the Chiefs, and the market is flipping me the bird completely, telling me I'm wrong. And so I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say, oh, I know better than the market. There's, um, you got you guys read the book and saw the movie The Hobbit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you, so you got that big, bad drag, dragon smog, and he's like wreaking havoc everywhere, and he's flying over Lake Town. And in the book, they're like, 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 he considered like, like descending down, you know, upon the lake, and it's like, even though I'm a fire breathing dragon, the lake is the lake, believe me, is superior to me. Like I cannot land in this lake um, because it, because I, I I will be ex- extinguished. Um, so I I I love the Chiefs. I thought I got God against Lamar Jackson, who I don't trust. And my power ratings on you know, a neutral make the game two and a half. So maybe I get the Baltimore minus three point two five with the home field. But I, I have to absolutely invest in the Chiefs. But now the market's gone from three and a half to four, and that never ever happens to me. So I'm beyond concern now. Is it injuries? Is Pacheco more injured than, than, than they thought he was? Is there one of their key linemen out? Um, their spy that they have on Jackson, William Gay, uh, the linebacker, is he not going to play? So now I'm getting a little bit out of my area of expertise with 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 these injuries and like maybe someone knows more than I do. And I do, I do get it. If these teams were playing in the regular season, I'm fine with Baltimore being laying for, laying for because they are the better regular season team. But I've seen the movie before. How many times do we see yeah. it? We trust Mahomes, and we don't trust Lamar Jackson. So ultimately, I'm going to stick with the money. It's going to come on the Chiefs late. But there's plenty of, of – of, and maybe it's just the math geeks and the forecasters with the injuries. Just are, the, the computer spinning out Baltimore should be laying five, and that's why they're betting them. Um, so I'm, I'm on an island versus the marketplace. I never liked that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in a, a little bit of a pickle, you know, with this game, um, during the year, I have accumulated tons of Baltimore to win the AFC championship tickets. I have a huge position on it. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain. Would this be a spot that maybe you try and hunt a middle? Like maybe I take the chiefs plus the four and hope it, it lands somewhere in between. I'm a big believer in diversity. So obviously, if you've got a position, if you're used to betting, let's say a thousand a game, and now you're about to score a ten thousand dollar win, well, why would you're essentially betting five thousand dollars on Baltimore? You're either got zero or ten thousand. So it's like I, I don't care that you only invested five hundred to twenty to one. It, it's irrelevant. It's like you have a five thousand dollar bet on Baltimore essentially uh, because you're going to have either zero or ten thousand. So. You can't have a $10,000 swing on a game when you're used to having $2,000 swings. Right. So you have to look to play back. And the beauty is you don't have to pay anything in big. You're in New Jersey. You have the profit exchange. Boom. You go ahead. I would recommend the plus four, lay 103 on 
the Chiefs. And again, the beauty is you can put up an offer. You can just nibble. Wait for it's a, you can play plus four, lay one hundred point seven. You know, um, it doesn't cost you anything in terms of vig. And you can you can nibble a little money line. You can you know go ahead and try to get you know plus you know I don't know plus one eighty. Um, but the plus four mathematically, the boys, Captain Jack and the boys over at Unabated, you can go to their site and they'll tell you to the nearest decimal point, which one is better to play. Um, you know, to, it, it, I know I like a plus three, even money is like the same as like a plus 136. So that means at three and a half, it would go to like plus 160. And so maybe um, maybe plus 175 is the same as plus four, lay one minus 100. I might have messed up the math. I did in my head. Um, but it, maybe maybe play three quarters, maybe about two thousand on Chiefs plus four even money essentially, and maybe you put a thousand on the money line. So you still have a position, but now you're you're still going to make thirty eight hundred regardless. Right. Yep. That's that's kind of where I was where I was leaning. And uh, Vince, did you want to give your take on this game before we move on? Well, you know what? I'm actually more interested to hear, you know, Steve, kind of your take on, you know, you mentioned uh, the injuries, right? And maybe not being that your area of expertise, but like how often do you maybe use that, uh, you know, you, you kind of run your mental simulations, right? Of, against your, your your model, what it kind of spit out in situations like this? Oh, I suck at it. I rely on other people. Like I, I've got my buddy, Dr. Chow, and I get his SIC numbers. Uh, like, like which team is more injured than another? And I kind yeah. of black box it. If he tells me one team's an 88 and one team's an 82, I'm like, okay, the Chiefs are healthier. And I mean, they're not healthier in this game. Um, yeah. I, I've got my quarterback ratings, so I can tell you like how much that, that Mahomes is worth nine points versus the, the backup quarterback because he's like five and a half points better than an average quarterback. That sounds like it's not enough, but like the backup quarterback's like a minus three and a half. So it's, it's, the difference is nine points. And th- that's the biggest difference in the NFL. Remember, any one skill position player is never worth more than one and a half points. Um, that'd be like your Justin Jefferson's, your C Max, and the like. Typically, one it, it, it sounds counterintuitive because, like in the NBA, you've got all these guys worth you know four or five you know points. But um, the I mean, the quarterbacks can be worth up to nine, nine and a half. But but anybody else one half. We'll talk about Debo Samuel in the next game though, because that he is a difficult guy to quantify the the value of him. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you're on KC because so am I. <laughs> Nice. Uh, but yeah, let, let's let's talk about this next game. We got the Lions uh, and it, it's kind of strange. You can get a plus seven or plus seven and a half, no matter where you look. Uh, and they're heading to San Francisco. The total is 51 and a half or 52. The Lions are three to one on the money line. You can lay 335 with the Niners. Where are you looking in this game? And also, I have a big position on the Niners to win the NFC. So I was thinking about in, engaging the same uh, situation. Sure. So if, if you are a teaser better, it's difficult, right? Because the Niners is a great teaser. Minus $7 million, twenty tease down to minus one or minus a half is absolutely an investment you want to make. But now you got to tease it with something else. And there's no good candidate. And I guess you take KC from four up to, to you, know, up, you know, up to the uh, 10 and a half to, um, to, to fulfill your teaser because probably the Kansas City teaser is negative EV but th- that leg but the San Fran is you know overwhelms it because it's so good. I do think the Niners are going to win. Obviously Purdy struggled in the rain, but he's been a perfectly competent good and even good MVP candidate quarterback. Um Goff has not been as good on grass on the road, but the weather's going to be pristine and perfect, so that's absolutely going to help Detroit. Um my gut says that Detroit just had two of the biggest wins since 1991 in that town. And I know they're going to be sky high for a title game here in the NFC, but 
there has to have been a celebration on Monday. And I don't like teams that have celebration. We see that. How often do we see that NCAA tournament where like a 13 seed makes the Sweet 16 and all of a sudden they come back and they just get blasted because it's not like they're not trying like crazy. The problem is when they get back on Monday, you know, all the, 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 the to, 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 to their fans and they, they, they go in and they're heroes. And, and I'm sure in the city of Detroit, all these players are doing interviews and being told how great they are. And that is not a recipe for success. Um, so my gut says the Niners roll. I did go ahead and bet them. Um, I actually got a minus six and a half late 15. Um, I hate that $40 fine. I hate it when people quote lines <laughs> that don't exist. So I'll give you a line that does exist. So you have a local casino close by. Have you guys, do you ever bet at Delaware Downs and how far yes. is that? <laughs> yeah, I know it. Yeah. 25 minutes. Okay, so so Delaware Downs. So basically, you should Phil, you should live at Delaware Downs, all right? <laughs> because they cater to. They don't take big limits, and they cater to an East Coast clientele. And there's biases in their lines, and for whatever reason, so they're dealing minus six and a half, lay a dollar twenty on San Francisco, which is better than laying seven, lay a dollar ten, and it's hard to find minus seven, lay a dollar ten. So if you like the Niners, it's time to drive on over to Delaware Downs, and yeah. I. Over under Phil, so so I want you if you go there in twenty minutes, ask for like, how much can I bet on it? All right, and I would put the over under probably at like I'm going to go fifteen hundred. Would you go over or under that? What they let what they what, what they would take on this? I would probably say that's a sharp number. I would lean under on that number. You lean under, interesting. Even though it's like an NFC title game, though, because they might be oh, getting right. lots of action they, they, on a regular right. season game. I agree with you here. Well, I, I, I think it's 50-50 whether you're going to get 1000 or 2000 So I'm, I'd be very curious to hear. Well, I will, I will let you know. It'll only cost me $5 across the bridge in toll. So that, that might be an investment. You know what? Worth it. You, you get me some minus six and a half, dollar twenty. I'm, I'm, this is like that Kramer episode where they drive to Michigan with the bottles. With the bottles, yeah. Cents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will pay your bottle fee and your tolls. Yes. The old mail the, truck. I'll, I'll take the in. mail truck to Delaware Downs and get us down. Yes. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Um, so, you know, you had teased about Debo. Now, he's kind of like three players in one player. And, so he would be worth more than a point and a half, I imagine. Well, no player is supposed to be worth more than a point and a half, but like the Niners, and I'm exaggerating. And 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 I'm it's funny because as a mathematical guy, I'm not that mathematical when it comes to this stuff because literally like the Niners like average like seven yards per play with them and like five without them. I mean, it's, right. it's like over a two yard per play differential, which obviously is not going to be sustainable going forward. And then part of it is that Trent Williams was out at the same time. Um, right. they, they, their best lineman was out when, when Debo was out. So, you know, th there was a Trent Williams was, was the impact of that as well. But I think it's reasonable to say that he's worth a point and a third. Maybe, maybe it's a point and a half, but he shouldn't be because they've got all these other weapons. I mean, they still have Kittle. They still have C-Mac. But it seems like one plus one is equal to three when it comes to Christian McCaffrey and Debo. And they put these guys in motion and they got a receiver that can run and, and, and a, a running back that can, that, that can catch. And it just creates so many headaches for the defense. But I don't think the market's going to react to this enough because like, so the money's coming in on the Niners. Let's assume that um, Debo plays. I think it just closes seven and a half. All right. I think the market is the market is saying he's playing, but all the reports say it's like 50 50, um, which is interesting. And maybe the feeling is just they're going to put duct tape on him, super glue him together and he's going to play. But that doesn't mean he's effective in any way, shape or form. And I would think if he doesn't play, this line should come down to like six point two five. But I don't know if it will. 
Um, I don't think we're going to know because I think he's going to get reported in. And then this is an example, you know, live wager. My buddy, the Hitman, at Hitman428, shout out to him. Um, he's one of the most successful bettors I know. He's in New Jersey. And he loves player props over the course of the game. So that would be, you asked me, what's my favorite thing to wager on? And Vegas doesn't really offer these very much other than Caesars Palace. But as an example, whenever you have a player that you're not sure how healthy they are, last week it was Laporta, right, for Detroit. And he was hobbling around, you know, didn't play that well the, the playoff game before. And it was just obvious dude was fine, you know, last week. And so his over-under was like four and a half catches and his yardage was like 42. And it was just clear he was going to go sailing over. I only like talking about bets I win. I don't, I don't <laughs> Those are the best bets. kind. Don't bring up don't bring up Purdue and on the money line or I'm or I'm, I'm cutting it. By the way, yes, I bet Purdue and I laid like five. I bet like eighty thousand to win nothing and they lost. And guess what? You know the funny thing is, of course I'm gonna have to do it again this year because of course. But 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 the math is just that like a number one seeds that are laying over twenty one points in the NCAA tournament win ninety nine percent of the time. Um, well, now you can argue, well, no, they don't. They win 98.3% of the time. And so maybe I should lay 4,000, not 5,000. But you get the idea. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we are accustomed to laying big favorites here. We have a, a darts model, you know, for Premier League darts. And sometimes the model tells us to bet a, a minus 5,000 favorite. And we we do it, you know. But we're not in the limelight like you. But, you know, oh, we, I have we to ask, this is, this is fascinating because like we all know like the tennis, the tennis is completely corrupt and like everybody cheats and the people get caught, get barred for life. Because if you're the hundredth best tennis player in the world, you may as well be the hundredth best chess player in the world. You'd be better off like working for $22 an hour in, in California. And um, it's not fast food. It's it's good food delivered quickly. Um, but the. <laughs> So if, 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 in darts, like the world champion, like, well, maybe the world champion does make money, but like the number three dart player plays a number 100 dart player. And if he's like a 20 to one favorite, shouldn't he just have an off day? I mean, like literally all it would take is for him to like, he doesn't even have to throw the game. He could just like have some Guinnesses. I'm, I assume it's perfectly fine for dart players to consume alcoholic beverages during the matches. Right? And they do. Just, they do. Yes. So I would just say, hey. I'm just going to have like eight Guinnesses before this match and I'm going to go out and do the best I can. And guess what? And then all of a sudden the 88th ranked dart player is going to cash at eight to one, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it happens. You know, I, I wish we, uh, I wish we had Biff's book from back to the future on when it would. Oh. Uh, but you know, I just wanted to let you know, you're not alone laying big favorites. We, we do it daily as well. <laughs> And you don't have to parlay them. That's my pet peeve. I see all the time people are like, oh, let me stack two money lines together. And the problem, of course, is that when you're not parlaying them, you can go on to exchanges. You can go to the Pinnacle Sports if you're in Canada, eh? and you can go ahead and lay minus 800. So if you're parlaying two, like a minus 900 with a minus 1,000, heck, these games aren't even at the same time. I'm like, I'm telling everybody, like, listen, dummies. It's like, if you're investing $900, why are you laying minus 900 on the first leg? To win 100, you could be winning $112 by getting the very best price. And if you're hell-bent on parlaying, then you can just roll it over into that second game. You know, at that, at, at that point, and people respond, no, I don't want to lay minus 900. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. You're, you're, I assure you, you're laying now. You're laying a thousand because you don't want to lay minus nine hundred on the betting exchange. Yes, and you just get to hold your money in between. You know, once that first one hits, you know, then then you can control about mm. you know 
what you're putting down. So uh, and UFC is the king of this because all the UFC uh, cards, um, you know, there's only one fight going on at once. So you never have to parlay them together because you can just, unless you, you knew there's going to be a big line move, just take your thousand dollar investment and bet the minus 280 and then cash it, bet the next guy. And also your bet sizing, the problem with the money line probably is that your bet sizing is all screwed up for Kelly Criterion because what happens is that like if you play three big money line favorites, if one of them loses, now you have nothing on the last guy that you liked. But if they all win, now you're betting 20% more on the last guy. You can see it. Your bet sizing isn't logical or consistent. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, that's, man, that's, that's all gold stuff here, Fezzik. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Vinny, do you have anything else? Uh, on this game or in general, <laughs> any, any, just go wherever you want. This is free flowing uh, conversation. You know, I, well, I, I like to talk a little bit about the game still here. I, you know, I've been, I've been keying in on, on this whole kind of Jared golf, uh, likes the middle of the field narrative, getting back to the, to the lions game. Um, and you look at it, it's 53% of the time going across the middle, you know, that San Francisco is one of, one of their biggest strengths covering the middle of the field. And, uh, and it, it, bless you. And, you know, just for context, just to, you know, ground us in that 53, somebody like a, like a Matt Stafford, another prolific pass offense, right, is around a 43 in the middle of the field. You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on keying in on maybe, you know, uh, you know some props there um, uh, or some, you know, I guess, how would you view, you know, something like that in, in attacking this game? And again, props, this is the time of year I kind of turn the page and focus much more on it. But I think I'd play Laporta over, right? I mean, I mean, I still think you're getting a little bit of a discount with his injury. And he certainly looked like he was 100% last week. And so if your handicap is the middle of the field's open, I'm going to look tight end. Um, so I think that that would yeah. be a lot. A lot. Would you agree? Would, would you play Laporta over for receptions or for – Pass yards. I think receptions because if he's not quite as fast with his injury, then yep. receptions are more attractive, right? Well, that too. That and um, you know, I think that uh, the, the Niners being a little weak on third down, you're probably going to have some more receptions there. They can they can close to the ball quickly, maybe cut down on some of the big plays. Um, but you know, I just I just view it as like you, you kind of go into these matchups doing either keep doing what you what you've done all year, right, or because you like the matchup. Or you switch it up like like Houston did blitzing last week, right against against Lamar, and hope that that plays out. And I, I just think they're going to have to switch it up. I think San Fran is just going to eat you know eat in the middle of the field. You know, it's interesting with the because obviously the blitzing worked against Lamar Jackson, but it's almost like don't you feel like maybe they should have done that in the second half, and maybe they felt like well it's mm -hmm. not going to do us any good. We're going to be down at half, and then they're right. just going to be running the ball. So you know what 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 let's hit him, hit him with it you know right off the bat. Um, but that was, I mean, that really, I don't trust Lamar Jackson. I know they fixed it at halftime and he was brilliant in the second half, but, yeah. um, that, that offense wasn't good in the first half. And I know Houston couldn't move the ball at all. I didn't want to talk about Houston. Sometimes a narrative goes out there and it's based upon a way too small sa sample. I actually think CJ Stroud's going to be fantastic, but like, you know, when, when they, when they talk about Houston, they're like, Oh, we're all set. We've got a great coach and we've got, you know, great quarterback. And it's like, you know, um, I remember when, when Carolina was 15 and one and Cam Newton was going to win three Super Bowls. Let's be a little <laughs> careful, you know, mm -hmm. about the, uh, mm -hmm. you, you, the, the road to success in a dynasty in the NFL is littered with teams like Dan Marino that made, makes the Super Bowl and never gets back. Right. Yeah. And, right. and CJ Stroud scares the heck out of me. I'm a Colts fan. So, uh, I know I'm going to have to yeah. be rooting against this guy for the next 10 or 12 years. And it just, it's, it's scary. 
And as a Colts fan, how scared are you that like like Richardson like can't get through three games without injuring something new, right? Yeah, he's he's a China doll. You know that was the that was a joke going around in our Discord that you know the the guy he's dynamic, he's electric, but you know what, what's he made out of? So hopefully, hopefully we, he strengthens up. Bold the prediction, I, a bold prediction. I believe that their NFL teams will have a China doll quarterback that they will utilize. When if you don't have a good quarterback, why not pull it out? a Marcus Mariota that isn't quite as good as Mariota and just say, look, you know, you're, you're expendable. You know, we're going to, you're, you're going to run wildcat and you're going to throw from the wildcat. It would be really, really difficult to stop. And of course your quarterback would get killed, but you're you're, it, 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 it's only short term. We're only putting them in on you know, some of the game. And I think it would be really, really difficult for the defenses to stop because frankly, they have trouble stopping a running back in the wildcat. Imagine if, if you actually put a, a dude, you know, a, a field's, that will run and pass and one sacrifice his body and not run out of bounds. Yeah. I, they, of, they have that guy. His name's Taysom Hill, I believe. Yeah. That brings me back. Mariota and Wildcat. You're talking about all this brings me back to my, uh, I'm an Eagles fan, Steve. So my Chip Kelly days, right. And I heard the rumor is, uh, you know, they're, they're interviewing Chip now again for an offensive coordinator position around the league. I just, I'm, I'm shocked. He's not just, you know, black blacklisted from the league. At this shouldn't point. he be like? I mean, but but shouldn't he just be a consultant, a guy like that? You know, just to pro- help provide you the good play. Give Andy Reid the good plays. You know, and just and, and you know behind the scenes. You know, speaking of blacklisted, what's interesting? This whole Belichick situation. I'm not going to get political and talk yeah. about how I, I would never say something like it is just mind-boggling to me that two 80-year-old fossils like are competing mm-hmm. to be president of the United States when like every single company that I have. Yeah, I don't. Do I want to invest in a company that has like an eighty-year-old? You know, that's right. that, 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 that's the best you can do. You, I, I mean, so my point is, is that Belichick is the greatest of all time in terms of coaches, and but I don't think I don't think he's a good fit for most organizations. I think he should be a consultant, not a head coach anymore. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but it's just it's kind of shocking. The dude can't even get a job, and maybe he doesn't want a job. You know, that, that, you know, possibly he's coming in gruff and making unreasonable demands. But um, isn't it funny how? We've got we've got you know guys being hired that we know are just mediocre, and Belichick mm-hmm. is still waiting for like the phone to ring. And and Vrabel right. too, Vrabel too, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think I think uh, Belichick still has a little gas in the tank. Uh, you know, he wants to break the the all time wins record, so I, I think he'd get him for two three years of a, a motivated guy, and then send him off into the sunset, maybe. And there are guys like what was it Snyder for Kansas State that like every time he came back, he was just like. Back to winning, you know. So yep. there are guys that, that that is just their passion, and they just and it just burned. You know, it's amazing to me. Like, but I don't know. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm I'm going to Maui. You know, it's, it's what what is that the the Running Man movie? It's like here's last season's winners. You know, you know Whitman, Price, Haddad, Fezzik, basking in the Maui sun. Hello, yeah. there he is. And with that, sir, we will send you off to your next stop. And Steve, it has been just our absolute pleasure having you on the show. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime. Um, you know, we'll we'll hire you for our circus circus survivor. Uh, you know, entry next year. I'll, I'll be part of your team. I'm, I, I welcome that. If we want to, we want to, we want to go with an entry together. Um, ultimately, I try to I try to preach how to win um, gambling, and the number one way for someone who hasn't won historically, um, master like low limit, no limit poker. Ed Miller has some excellent books. Um, if you're mathematically, if if you have some mathematical skills, like you're kind of good at math, you don't even have to be and you just work hard and you're extremely disciplined, 
and you're going to fold a lot, you're going to win, Clay. I, I'm sure you're going to win. And, and you know, if you don't win, I don't believe you. I, I, I want to go and actually see you. And someone raises, and you're going to take the eight ten of diamonds, and you're going to throw it in. The, you're going to throw it in the muck, and you're not going to see that eight ten of diamonds in the small blind. All right. So um, we'll talk. But that that's the first. That's the easiest step towards the win, if you want to be a winning gambler. Yes, sir. And and awesome. we appreciate all the all the tidbits you shared with us today, Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you We're, for having me, yeah. Phil. Vince, um, and best of luck the rest of the year to you and to your listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you.